It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hello again, friends. Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast brought to you by our friends at Pepsi. Hey, this football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. What's going on, friends? Billy Rossetti with you guys here. It is Crossover Thursday. It is another exciting time here. Another great talk. It's myself and Lauren Cox coming at you for uh, getting some good talk on both the Panthers and the Bears. So a lot of good stuff to get into there in a little bit. But obviously some big news coming Wednesday from the Panthers. And it's very unfortunate news in regards to the injury front. And that is that K1 short for the second year in a row will be out for the rest of the season with shoulder surgery. Last season, of course, he had that partially torn rotator cuff that limited him. You know, He ended up only playing the first two games of the season and missed the last 14. This time around, he will be out for the remainder, uh, remaining 11 games of the season. He, of course, had already missed two games with that foot injury, and now he'll miss the final 11. So, unfortunately, this means... Uh, in two seasons, K1 Short will have played a total of five games. And obviously, of course, he didn't even finish Sunday's game. He suffered that injury in the third quarter against the Falcons uh, on one of his hits on Matt Ryan. So really unfortunate. And, you know, age and now health history is obviously starting to become a factor for K1 Short. And we, of course, talked about K1 Short a little bit. Earlier this offseason, in regards to could he be a potential uh, salary cap casualty in 2021? Keep in mind, of course, that uh, we know the uh, the salary cap is going to be short or is, is going to be a uh, a lot lesser than it was projected to be because of COVID and you know the lack of revenue that's coming in. So if we look at um, K1 Shorts contract, and we're using over the cap here. So in 2021, uh, he is due a $12.5 million salary. He's got a prorated bonus of a little little over six and a third million dollars. Because remember, they uh, adjusted his contract a little bit in 2019. So it added some uh, some signing bonus money from his original contract in 17. And he's got a per game roster bonus of $1.5 million and a Workout bonus of $500,000. So his total cap number is set to be almost $21 million. And then technically, you know, the contract ran up until 2023. But the contract is going to void uh, in February of 2022, actually. So just a little, just a couple days after 
Super Bowl 56. So really, 2021 is basically K1 Short's contract year. And if the Panthers wanted to uh, move on from him next offseason, uh, they would leave about nine or they would leave about 11 million dollars in dead money but they would save or they would create about 9.8 million in salary cap space so they've got a pretty big decision lying ahead when it comes to k1 short he's going to be 32 years old he'll now be coming off um two shoulder surgeries in the last two seasons playing a grand total of five games out of a possible 32. So this is a big decision coming with uh with K1 Short who you know has been had been one of the key pieces of this Panthers defensive line but obviously he's been slowed up a little bit because of these injuries and you just invested a first round pick in Derek Brown. You also invested a sixth round pick in Bravion Roy. And Bravion Roy certainly is going to get more playing time because of this. Zach Kerr, of course, is going to be the starter now in place of Short. But Bravion Roy, you're going to see a lot more of him, I think. So you really invested uh, some draft capital this year into the defensive line position, both, of course, tackle and end. And obviously, these guys are on pretty cheap contracts. So it would not be surprising at all if the Carolina Panthers cut K1 short after this offseason. Because, again, I mean, that that $9.8 million, when you, again, talk about the fact, too, that the Panther, that the overall salary cap for every team is obviously going to be a lot lighter than, um, than it was originally expected to be because of COVID. So, you know, looking at uh, the, the cap calculator right now, if we're using a projected salary cap of $176 million for the Panthers right now, that would currently give them a... That would currently give them about $17.3 million in salary cap space. And K1 Short is actually right now set to be the second highest cap hit on the Carolina Panthers at, again, almost $21 million. The highest cap hit next season, not surprisingly, is going to be Teddy Bridgewater at $23 million with a $17 million base salary. $10 million of that is guaranteed. So, obviously, Bridgewater's not going anywhere. But K1 short, you know, with only $17 million in cap space and the ability to save about $9.8 million with cutting him, that's got away pretty heavily, I think, on this Panthers organization. I mean, you you use the calculator and you cut short. You're looking now at about $27 million in cap space. And you've obviously got a couple of players that are coming up that you want to look at in terms of contract extensions. Namely, first, Taylor Moten. Because Taylor Moten is going to be a free agent after the season, um, you know, and do they try to keep guys like Mike Davis or, um, you know, obviously Russell Okung will be interesting. Curtis Samuel is going to be another guy that is coming up as a free agent and they'll have a big decision on him. Chris Reed has taken over that left guard position. What do they do with him? So there's going to be a lot of decisions now to make financially for this Carolina Panthers team. 
And unfortunately, you know, it's not a guarantee now that Kwan Short is going to be the future or in the future plans of this team because of the high cap number, because of the injury, you know, the new injury history. It would not be surprising to me at this point if Kwan Short becomes a free agent, if they let him become a free agent in 2021. So that's the, just the quick news uh, to, to start the day. Obviously, you know, of course, not the greatest of news that Short is done for the season again. We certainly wish him well. But, you know, the train moves on. Like I said, Bravion Roy and Zach Kerr, they're going to get more playing time. And the defense will be, you know, still pretty solid, I think. But we'll uh, we'll see Sunday against uh, against the Bears and David Montgomery. And speaking of the Bears, you know, we're closing in here on crossover Thursday with myself and Lauren Cox giving you some great insight on the Chicago Bears and his thoughts on how the Bears actually look as a 4-1 team. So we'll get into that in a minute. But before we get into that, of course, I uh, want to thank our great sponsors over at Pepsi, good friends of ours. Hey, thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. So Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching, and remember to check out go or remember to check out madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to alternate routes early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So, thanks to Pepsi and uh, thanks to you guys for uh, always showing your support. And so, uh, without further ado, let's jump right into Crossover Thursday. Another great one. It's myself, it's Lauren Cox getting ready for the Panthers and the Chicago Bears. So, Bill, this Carolina Panthers team has been, I think, one of the more interesting stories in the NFL this season that hasn't gotten a lot of attention, which I imagine the Panthers don't mind at this point. But given, I kind of want to start bigger picture here, they start 0-2, they won three in a row since. 
what changed? Like, what what was going wrong early on? Is it, I mean, is it quality of opponent? Is it have they figured something out? What why have they been able to go from bad to good? Yeah, man, I, I think it's just like you know the confidence level just seems to be kind of building, right? You know, we knew the Panthers were going to be a rebuilding team going into this season, and they kind of showed right out of the gate, you know, in the season opener against the Raiders that this team is going to compete. Uh, they, they've already kind of bought into that winning attitude from Matt Rule, you know, that he brought over from Baylor and Temple. And, you know, just building that confidence, I think, and allowing the offense to really kind of expand a little bit more. Like, like it's it's really weird. Obviously, the um, the winning streak has, has happened ever since Christian McCaffrey went down to injury. Now, I don't want to say that's been like, you know, the sole factor that the Panthers have won three straight, but, you know, they've been able to really open up the offense, it seems like, a little bit more and really get a lot of the receivers, especially, obviously, Anderson and uh, DJ Moore. Um, but Mike Davis has been a, uh, a really nice key help as well, too. You know, he's really helped keep that offense afloat here. So I think it's just more the uh, the confidence building has been extremely, uh, you know, continually rising over these last couple of weeks you know there's obviously still some issues uh run defense is still the uh the biggest question mark i think right now but you know they've they've patched up some areas that were a question mark going in like you know chris reed has kind of taken control now of that left guard spawn has played really well uh the last couple of weeks and rasul douglas has been kind of that unsung hero at the opposite cornerback position along with Dante Jackson. So they've gotten some good contribution from some far from household names, uh, to say the least. So, you know, I, I think it's a, a combination of kind of all that that has really helped the Panthers kind of get their mojo going, uh, so to speak, these last couple of weeks. Yeah, since you mentioned Mike Davis, uh, I want to go there because it's a little bit of a sore spot for Chicago Bears fans. He was a, a free agent acquisition of theirs a couple years ago. They released him during last season to kind of iron out the compensatory pick formula. They ended up getting a fourth-round pick because they released him and how that all worked out. But pa- Panthers lose Christian McCaffrey. Everyone thinks, oh, no, end of the, you know, that's, that's their big offensive piece, the guy they're paying all this money to. Uh, how good has Mike Davis been for the Bears fans who might not be familiar, and why do you think it's working so well? I, I think you know Joe Brady has just done a really nice job of getting him open in space and um, having a lot of the playmakers that the Panthers have have had too. I th- I think has uh, has been a big factor because opposing defense obviously really can't focus on these. Um, you know, they really can't focus on Mike Davis because they've got to respect uh, all these receivers because the Panthers have been loving to spread the field open too, right? I mean, you're seeing a lot of uh, three, four, even five wide receiver sets, a lot of em- empty formations. So the the defense has to respect everything that I think the Panthers are able to a- attack with, if you know what I mean? So Mike Davis has had a lot of, you know, a little bit of open field, I think, to work with. And he's been running the ball pretty well. And, I mean, he has, what, like almost 30 catches uh, over these last four games and really not even four full games because he didn't come in really till about the fourth quarter of that Tampa Bay game in week two. But like I said earlier, Mike Davis has really helped the Panthers not skip a beat on offense. And it's been, you know, pleasantly surprising, but... Mike Davis also had himself a really nice training camp and really took a hold 
of that number two job. And so, you know, this team had all the confidence in the world, I think, of running with Mike Davis as the starting back and, you know, really didn't waver when Christian McCaffrey went down. Now, when McCaffrey does come back, I'm going to be really intrigued to see how they utilize both of these backs now because Mike Davis now has also obviously shown that the Panthers can give Christian McCaffrey a little bit of rest here and there. He doesn't have to play, you know, 95 to 100% of the snaps anymore. That, you know, can cut back down a little bit because Mike Davis now has the confidence and the Panthers have the confidence that the offense is going to be just fine uh, with Mike Davis getting a, uh, a good bit of of the work here. So, you know, Christian McCaffrey may not be the uh, the number one running back each week uh, from here on out. He'll certainly be a, a very solid option. Uh, but Mike Davis certainly will will not, not be forgotten about anytime soon, even when uh, McCaffrey comes back. Yeah, that's a good point. I think there's a lot of room for this Panthers offense to even get better than we're seeing so far. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So when it comes to Teddy Bridgewater, he was a name that the Bears were linked to at least somewhat during the offseason. It seems like he's had a very efficient, fairly effective start to the season through the first five games. I know there were some bumps along the way, especially early on, but given what he's been able to do this season, how much of that do you give credit to Joe Brady and a fairly innovative and effective offensive scheme like you kind of touched on spreading it out a little bit more and trying to make it easier versus Bridgewater himself making good plays? Like how much of this has been... I guess I don't want to say simplified, but you know how how much of this has truly been on Bridgewater's shoulders to have to elevate, and how much of this has been scheme success. Yeah, I would definitely say it's a mix of the two. Absolutely, I, th- I think you brought up some real good points there, and you know I'm going to point out a article by a good friend of both of ours, of course, uh, Mark Schofield over at Touchdown Wire, who really kind of got that conversation going i think too even back in week one I, I think he posted this article about how the panthers were using a lot of empty formations and a lot of you know spread formations to help out teddy bridgewater so it's definitely i think a lot of scheme because there's obviously that familiarity from when these two were together in new orleans but on the flip side i think you have to give teddy bridgewater credit for taking care of the football right i mean he's only he's only turned the ball over i think like three times this season he only has three interceptions and the panthers really haven't fumbled the ball uh they have something i think like a plus three turnover differential right now so that to me has been one of the the key battle or the 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 key stats that have been so huge in these last three wins here is that the panthers are not turning the ball over and Teddy Bridgewater has been a great example of that and I think he's playing more than just a uh, a game manager and you know he's obviously not using his legs which we expect he did have a rushing touchdown a couple weeks ago but he's still really not that mobile quarterback but we kind of knew that going in but they're letting him work in the quick game you know he's getting a lot of quick passes to Mike Davis and letting guys like Anderson and more kind of work in the middle of the field, but he's not afraid to take a deep shot every once in a while as well, especially to to Robbie Anderson. I mean, Anderson right now is fourth in the league in receiving yards. So, you know, right now that contract looks to be really, really good. I mean, we remember Robbie Anderson had to wait about a week after uh, free agency started before he finally got his money, probably took a lesser contract than he 
thought he was going to get, and now it's looking like a bargain for the Panthers. So the, the Panthers have done a really nice job of surrounding Teddy with the talent that he needed to succeed in this offense. But again, I go back to the fact that Teddy's taking care of the football. He's not really forcing anything. He's not really making any stupid mistakes. And then again, that with, you know, as you said, Joe Brady and his scheme, I think have both done a, a really nice job collectively uh, that have helped the Panthers, as I said before, gain that confidence uh, to help them carry forward. And now they're looking like a legitimate team. Like, you know, the Panthers have arrived a lot sooner than a lot of us could have imagined going into this year. Yeah, it seems like they got some good value. <clears throat> it seems like they got some good value on defense too. With you know, I think as I look over that group, it's not loaded with household names. It's loaded with a lot of guys I recognize from like recent drafts. It's like, oh yeah, those are those are some solid players. But it's not like it's loaded with guys with decorated Pro Bowl careers. And I'm curious if you could give me a little bit of a breakdown on how this works with their safeties and linebackers, with versatile guys like Trey Boston and Jeremy Chin and even Justin Burris on the back end there. You, you match them up with athletic linebacker like Shaq Thompson and even Tahir Whitehead seems like he still has some stuff left in the tank. Uh, how What are they doing? I mean, it seems like it's a fairly creative rotation there that uh, might not be as readily familiar to a lot of non-Panthers fans. Yeah, um, so I'll start with Jeremy Chin because... Um, Jeremy Chin was one of my huge favorites, you know, one of my draft crushes uh, throughout this draft process. And we saw him uh, at the Senior Bowl and talked to him a little bit at the Combine. And Jeremy Chin is kind of like that, you know, Teron Matthew type player or uh, what a lot of, you know, I guess we could say what Cardinals fans kind of hoped Dan Buchanan was going to be, you know, if that makes sense. That um, that strong hybrid, you know, Sam linebacker, safety type player. That's really how the Panthers are are moving him. But he just flies around the field, right? And I mean, he's leading the team in tackles right now. So it's not it's not like he's just out there, kind of, you know, learning the ropes and you know taking his rookie bumps. He's already one of the leaders of this defense, and I think he's something like tied for seventh in the league in tackles right now. So, and I said earlier this week on the podcast, we have to take a serious look right now at Jeremy Chin as defensive rookie of the year with how he has helped kind of revitalize this defense, which has obviously been a, um, a huge question mark the last couple of years, especially in the back seven. He's been a huge, huge reason of, you know, getting that back up there. So yeah, like you said, the Panthers are almost playing with three safeties on every play because of Trey Boston, who's still playing well. And then Justin Burris. I mean, Justin Burris had that huge interception last week against the Falcons where the Falcons are in the red zone, ready to tie the game. And Justin Burris just completely switched the momentum and, uh, you know, really made up for not being able to pick up that loose football early in the game. You know, he was going for the scoop and score, which is understandable, couldn't come up with it cleanly and the Falcons were able to recover, but he more than made up for it with that interception. And then, you know, you mentioned the other linebackers too. Shaq Thompson, uh, second in the team in tackles just continues to be an absolute force. And yeah, Tiger Whitehead. I mean, obviously no one's really going to replicate Luke Keekley. We all know that he's a one in one of a kind player, but Tiger Whitehead's always been a solid linebacker, right? You know, we saw him play well when he, when he was with the Raiders, we saw him play well when he was with the Lions. He's just that solid veteran linebacker that's kind of, you know, manning the ship here. And 
you know, getting his nose into the football. So he's been a solid addition as well. So he's really helped kind of plug the hole as best he can. That was obviously left behind by Luke Keekley. And then I mentioned earlier the cornerbacks. I mean, look, Rasul Douglas has been a pleasant surprise. You know, Eagles fans that might be listening to this certainly know how frustrating Rasul Douglas had been at times while he was with the Eagles. He never really lived up to the potential that, uh, you know, the Eagles fans or even maybe the Eagles organization had for him. And that's why he ended up as one of the final cuts this season, along with uh, Sidney Jones. Panthers claim him. And all of a sudden he's thrust into starting action because Eli Apple's banged up and goes on IR to start the season. Uh, Dante Jackson, leaves that game against the Raiders early with that foot injury. So you're looking at Rasul Douglas now and Troy Pride as your two corners there in week one. And Rasul Douglas, you know, his uh he's fitting really well, I think, in the, in that cover three scheme. So he's been uh you know his coverage skills have been pretty good. He's been kind of sticking to receivers, um sticking his nose in, making tackles, and now he's solidified himself as uh as one of the starters. I mean he played every single snap He's pretty much playing every single snap now from that point on. And I know last week he played every snap against the uh, the Falcons. So if, if we're talking kind of unsung heroes, like you mentioned, Justin Burris, and then, uh, like, like I said, Rasul Douglas has been a uh, really an incredible addition and one of the more kind of underrated ads in really any uh, free agency mover or waiver wire move, especially for the Panthers here. It seems like the one area this defense has struggled is stopping the run, which is where the Bears are definitely struggling offensively to move the ball in the ground game. Uh, what do you think the reason has been? It's, it's, I think the Panthers are near the bottom of the league in terms of rushing yards and yards per carry allowed. What has been the issue there, and how much more difficult does that become with Kawan Short's season-ending injury? Yeah, that's a, another brutal blow, and it's really unfortunate that that happened. But, you know, it's... Um... I think that's the point where, uh, you know, the youth movement is kind of they're still working their way through that. Right. I mean, you've got a lot of new faces on this defensive line. I mean, you've got two rookies playing significant time at the defensive tackle position in, uh, of course, obviously. Seventh overall pick uh, Derek Brown and then their sixth round pick Bravion Roy, who should get even more playing time because of the short injury. You're going to see Zach Kerr in there a lot as well. Kerr's probably going to get the start, but you're going to see Roy mix in there quite a bit as well. So it's still a lot of youth getting in there. And then even at the, at the DNs, you've got another rookie there in Yito Gross Matos. Uh, Brian Burns is now banged up a little bit. He suffered a bit of a head injury on Sunday. So we'll see what his status is for this week. Um, so it's just a lot of players, I think, kind of learning on the fly. So if that I would say that's the biggest issue. So, you know, the, these kids are still developing and eventually I think this is going to turn into a, a really nice defensive line unit, but th these guys are still kind of learning the tricks of the trade. Derek Brown has flashed a little bit though, over these first five games, he's had his ups and downs, which, you know, we expect, especially with the pressure we put on for a, uh, for a seventh overall pick, but he's been fine. I think these first couple games, um, we're obviously not really going to start to see what he's capable of because he's probably going to be expected to play quite a bit. You know, the Panthers have done a nice job of rotating, rotating a lot of these D line guys so far, but now 
you know, a guy like Derek Brown is obviously going to have to step up even more because now that depth is uh, depleted a little bit. Now they might go out and, you know, grab some D tackles or whatever the case may be. But your three main guys right now, two of them are rookies and one of them is a free agent that you brought over uh, from the Cardinals. So really going to be intrigued to see how they how they handle this Chicago run offense. Um, and, I, and I talked on uh, on Wednesday on my show, you know, Chicago, obviously, as uh, your listeners know, they've got some really strong guys in the middle. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of James Daniels. I like Cody Whitehair there in the middle. So these guys will get after the Panthers. So this Panthers D-line really has to be ready to play, uh, I think, if, if they're going to win this game. So, you know, this could be one of those games where, you know, the numbers – you know, don't let the numbers fool you. The, the Bears can, uh, you know, they could push this Panthers team around if this Panthers team isn't isn't careful. Yeah, it still seems like it's an exciting time to be a Carolina Panthers fan. Definitely ascending Absolutely. on the way up. Bill, I appreciate you taking the time to tell us a little bit more about them and uh, participate, as always, in these fun crossover Thursday podcasts. Absolutely. Yeah, it's always good chatting to you, buddy. You're You're one of my favorites here on the network. Always good to talk to you. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Before we flip things around, I want to remind you guys, too, that today's episode is being brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com, which is great because it's the online family business serving auto parts customers for over 20 years, and you don't even need a membership or an account login. You can just go right in and check out all the parts available for your car or truck and depending on the brands, the specifications, the prices. It's all available to you, very easy to navigate. They have everything you could think of from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, new carpet, anything you might need for your new car, Rock Auto has got you covered. And their prices are always reliably low, whether you're a professional driver or a do-it-yourselfer, a daily driver, whatever the case may be, they will take care of you price-wise. So you don't have to worry about paying twice as much and worrying about only certain brands and specifications at your local auto shop. Rock Auto has got you covered. So go to rockauto.com right now and check out all the parts available for your car or truck. And remember to write the words locked on in their how did you hear about us section so that they know that we sent you. It's amazing selection, it's reliably low prices, and it's all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Flipping things around here, crossover Thursday, Locked On Panthers, Locked On Bears, Bill Rossetti, Lauren Cox with you here. We're going to talk Chicago Bears here, and of course, always good to talk to my buddy Lauren, good friend of mine. And you know, Lauren, this, uh, this Bears team, they're quite the interesting bunch, and one of the things I kind of saw on social media, and you know, especially on Twitter, um, the last couple of days has been the notion that this Bears team at four and one is kind of a fool's gold type deal, if you know what I mean. So, explain to the listeners how the Bears got to four and one, and you know whether you think this is a legitimate four to one or, or four and one record, or if this team still needs to. Um, you know, has some proving to do to some people. Yeah, they definitely still have some proving to do. There's no doubt from in my mind of that. So 
to that regard, they're not a 4-1 and one quality team, but that doesn't necessarily mean they weren't better than the four teams they beat. And that's that's kind of the weird distinction here. Like, they had a very light and easy start to their schedule. Like, it was the Lions, the Giants, and the Falcons weeks one, two, and three, and they, they won all those games. Albeit they were a little bit more difficult than they should be, but on paper, the Bears should have been able to beat all three of those teams. So, like, they deserved to be 3-0 and because they were the better team in all three of those contests. But the first one against the Lions required uh, a 16-point fourth-quarter comeback. Then they did the exact same thing against the Atlanta Falcons at the end of the fourth quarter, scored three touchdowns to win that game, and struggled a little bit more against the Giants than they should have. Then they lost to the Colts and Phillip Rivers in a tough one, kind of back and forth there. And then this last week was kind of their... They're trying to prove their quality because they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which, you know, Tom Brady and, and the Bucks have had a few step backs here and there, but it was the best game we had seen thus far from Nick Foles in just his second start with the Chicago Bears. It was among the best this Bears defense had looked for much of the season, and it was the closest thing to like, okay, this is what the Bears are supposed to look like. And I know the Panthers were able to beat the Buccaneers earlier in the season, so it doesn't necessarily tell you a lot about where these two teams are heading into this matchup necessarily, but like, there's something there. The Bears aren't completely unproven at this point. The Buccaneers game started to prove something, but they're not necessarily four and one, you know, one of the best teams in the NFL good at this point. But they're somewhat like the Panthers in that regard. They're still kind of coming together, too. They're not a new coaching staff. They're not a brand new, you know, they're not as young, per se, as the Panthers are. But with Nick Foles coming in at in the fourth quarter of that Falcons game, at the end of the third game of the season, he's only had two starts, and one of those starts was a quick turnaround for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he's still getting on the same page as his receivers, the same page as his coaching staff and play calling. And so there's there's been a little bit of an adjustment period in that, but still think uh, this team needs to prove that it, it can be better. And kind of speaking of the quarterbacks, obviously we know uh, Mitchell Trubisky started and played those first couple games, but then got benched at halftime. Uh, of week three against the Falcons. So what do you think eventually led to that benching? Because I don't even think he had really all those bad numbers, especially in that Falcons game. But what do you think led to that benching? And what has changed since Nick Foles has taken over? And where do you think this off- offense can go now with Nick Foles once, you know, as you said, they start to all these uh, units start to come together? So this offseason when the Bears traded for Nick Foles, of course, they said it was an open competition, but the belief was that it's started a clock, a countdown of when Mitch Trubisky would be benched. It wasn't a question of if Mitch Trubisky would be benched. It was a matter of how long would he get before he got benched, and that proved to be two games and three quarters. And in, even though he was undefeated, he's actually the, he, he had, was the only NFC North quarterback to have won his last four games to start this season. It's, but he has not been able to execute the offense at a high level. He still has trouble reading coverages and going through progressions and doing some of the simple things to be an accurate NFL quarterback. And it's eventually Matt Nagy just kind of, I mean, he hasn't said this, but the interpretation is that he was just frustrated with not having an NFL caliber, I guess, brain under center. He can make all the throws. He's a good athlete. He can do a lot of things that are impressive at the quarterback spot, but even a miraculous comeback against the Lions and a win against the Giants were not enough for him to keep his job because we've seen Nick Foles come in, albeit a slow transition at this point. He's still, we still haven't seen the best of Nick Foles yet in this offense, but it's clear how much more 
football intelligence there is. And I don't want to call Mitch Trubisky dumb because he's not a dumb person. It's just being able to be that cerebral, you know, Peyton Manning style of like understand everything that's happening at the line of scrimmage. You get all the players in the right spots, know what the defense is going to do before they do it and know exactly where you need to go with the ball. Nick Foles has been decisive. He's been intelligent. He's been making some, he's been changing plays to the line of scrimmage a little bit more and always seeming to know for the most part where to go with the ball. There's been some timing issues with his receivers. He's missed some easy open throws that he really shouldn't because he expects a guy to get there sooner than he does or he throws the wrong route because they weren't quite on the same page. And it's like some of those self-inflicted mistakes they still need to iron out before this offense will truly be at its potential. But it's clear the Bears are getting rid of the ball more quickly. They're not taking a lot of like big plays. It's a lot of dink and dunk underneath easy stuff. So they're not a team that's necessarily built to score quickly. But if you leave them enough time, they've shown multiple times this season that they can pull a comeback. And Nick Foles, just like Mitch, has a lot of that clutch gene running through him. Uh, absolutely good. You know, I I agree. I re- really like the way Foles has played. Um, you know, I kind of thought he's been a little erratic at times too, but you know, he's he's definitely made some nice throws, and I'm excited to see what he can do. Like you said, once everything starts to come together. But um, I also, you know, watched a little bit of that uh, Bears Bucks game last night. To, well, Tuesday night, and one thing that kind of struck me was the. I, I guess we'll say lack of usage for, you know, for lack of a better term on Anthony Miller, obviously Allen Robinson is the stud there, but you know, I see Allen or um, Anthony Miller in uh, some limited action. And I go in and I see he's only playing about 50% of the snaps. Now I know he had some bad drops, um, you know, shout out Aaron Freeman there for bringing that to my attention. Uh, had some bad drops in the Falcons game and you know pretty much was uh was out for most of that game but why do you think the the bears have been limiting uh you know the work of anthony miller and can we even say like limiting the potential of anthony miller it's been one of the big storylines of the season for sure and i think there's a couple of factors that go into this i mean the drop passes and some of the mistakes are noticeable. I mean, it's he's had a couple easy ones that he really should have had, but that's something he did in college. It was kind of a known thing with him coming into the NFL, but everyone was sort of expecting this year to finally be the big breakout year, that he was going to take over as the true number two receiver behind Allen Robinson, and perhaps the quarterback play would be better and other things would be better, and this would be his year to look like a true number two wide receiver. But instead, from week one, there's a different receiver, a rookie fifth-round pick, Darnell Mooney, out of Tulane, Mm-hmm. instantly stepped in and has been the Bears' second best receiver by a long shot. He has been phenomenal for you know for a fifth round pick. Let's I mean we got to put it in the right context there. He's not a thousand yard guy or anything, but mm-hmm. blown all expectations out of the water. Very clearly the true number two, a deep speed threat who's been adding some different route running skills and separation. Like he's been surprising more in those areas that we didn't see as much of that from him in college. And so like now he's the number two receiver and Anthony Miller's been bumped to number three. And the issue in terms of playing time is just that Miller's always been a primarily a slot receiver, and for whatever reason, the Bears don't seem to want to play him outside at all. So then now, as they've tried to do a more tight end heavy offense with Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet, if you don't have three wide receivers on the field, 
Anthony Miller isn't usually one of them because if you have two outside receivers, it's going to be Robinson and Mooney, and they just haven't liked Miller outside. The, the change we saw last week a little bit against the Buccaneers is that Miller was getting even less playing time because they were bringing in Javon Wims more on the outside and playing Allen Robinson more in the slot. So it seems like he's in some doghouse a little bit here and there and hasn't been able to fully climb out of it yet, in some part because of his own mistakes, in some part because other players on the roster have been playing better, and in some part because they've switched up the offensive scheme a little bit more to have fewer wide receivers on the field and more of the running back tight end heavy personnel. Yeah, I, I kind of noticed that too, watching them a little bit last week. I mean, I'm, I'm even seeing some 13 personnel. I'm thinking you, you don't see that too often um, in, in the NFL, but it was really neat to see like, you know, some three tight end sets out there. Uh, Cole Komet, I mean, there, there were a couple plays that I thought he, you know, really flashed some speed. I know he's not playing a lot, but, you know, it's understandable for a rookie tight end. We really don't see those type of players make immediate impacts, but I think he's been flashing a little bit. Um, but where has Jimmy Graham come from? I mean, I've been calling him the ghost of Jimmy Graham that has, you know, risen from the dead. And I mean, four touchdowns in five games. What has changed in Jimmy Graham? Or, you know, is it just he's finally in a good scheme fit? I mean, this is really the best we've seen Jimmy Graham play since he was in New Orleans. So what has been, you know, the big the big change for Jimmy Graham and then with Cole Komet, you know, with what you've seen in the first five games, what, what can you project him to be uh, in this bears offense going forward? Yeah. So Jimmy Graham has been the ultimate red zone weapon in particular, like the between the twenties, the bears haven't got nearly the tight end production that they would like given the turnover and investment they've made at that spot. Like a second round pick on Cole Komet, like you've been talking about, Graham was kind of their big free agent signing. They also brought in Demetrius Harris from the Cleveland Browns, who has some experience with Matt Nagy back in Kansas City. So it was like supposed to be back to a tight end heavy offense. And we've been seeing them on the field more, but the receiving production hasn't necessarily quite been there, except for Jimmy Graham's big touchdowns. And it's just been masterful one-on-one post up a little cornerback in the end zone. They'll just line up Jimmy out wide by himself. And it's kind of, it's kind of one of those things where it's like you're watching, even you're watching from home and you're like, oh, I know where this is going. And coaches, you, so you know the coaches and the players all know where it's going. And yet somehow, some way, they haven't really figured out how to stop it. it they just kind of trust their cornerback one-on-one with Jimmy Graham. And he just boxes them out like a power forward in the NBA and jumps up and makes the catch. And, and some of them have been very impressive catches, and it's been good ball placement by the quarterback, but he's been his primary threat has been red zone more than anything, and that's kind of been the case for all of the tight ends. Cole Komet has been a work in progress, which is to be expected for rookie tight ends. You know, nowadays, they just don't tend to be super productive in their rookie seasons. He's essentially their number three. I would characterize Demetrius Harris as more truly their number two tight end, and I think so far the playing time reflects that, but Matt Nagy keeps insisting, like, hey, we got to get Cole Komet on the field more. He needs more playing time. Like, he had 15 snaps against the Colts, and Matt Nagy's direct quote was, 15 is not enough. We got to get him on the field more. So they got him on the field more against the Buccaneers, and he had, I think, one target and one holding penalty, and did some run blocking, but like more playing time hasn't equated to any more production from him. So the Bears still want more from that spot, but for now it's it's mostly a red zone weapon. But we kind of in Chicago we all keep kind of waiting for them to unveil more of that and make the tight end more of a focal point of the passing game. I want to flip on the the defense now a little bit too. 
Um, and I think the first question that comes to mind is how much is this defense missing Eddie Goldman? It's noticeable, right? I mean, they have not, they've been struggling to stop the run all season. And I, I mean, of course, if they had Eddie Goldman, they would be better in that regard. But I also think they have gotten some better than expected play from their reserve defensive linemen. And I, I also think the bigger issue, I don't know if bigger is the right word, but uh, a bigger than expected issue in the run defense has been poor play from both inside linebackers. Danny Trevathan has been having arguably the worst season of his career up to this point. All of a sudden, he looks like an old man out of nowhere. Last season, he had some injuries, but was otherwise spry and young and fresh. And this year, he just looks slow and like the game has already passed him. He, his, he, both he and Roquan Smith are coming off of their best game against the Buccaneers, so there's some hope that maybe they started turning a corner for whatever reason. But even Roquan, you know, this is year three for him. It's like time for him to step up and be a big Pro Bowl caliber inside linebacker, a top 10 pick. And again, Buccaneers were, was his best effort yet, but for the first few games of the season, it's missed tackles, it's missed assignments, you know, he's attacking the wrong gaps in run defense, or overshooting gaps, or overrunning and taking poor angles, and it's just a bunch of those little things that like he should be passed at this point in his career, and so I don't want to completely bury Roquan coming off of a, a stronger performance against the Buccaneers, but there's some concern there about how quickly his development is coming along, but as far as the run defense goes, I blame them more than I blame the defensive linemen, but having Eddie Goldman out there, of course, would make a huge difference and I'm glad you brought up the linebackers too because I, I made a note of them you know I I saw Trevathan against the Bucks. I thought he looked really good um, but I you know didn't realize that he had been kind of rough those first three games so I'm really glad you brought that up but I was with you on the on Roquan Smith I thought he was you know a little inconsistent at times as well and you know yeah obviously it's it's surprising like you talked about he's you know this is his third year he's a former first round pick so these are really the times where you think he's got to step up um but the defensive line I mean you know Khalil Mack obviously is still there but it's obviously I'm sure been huge now that uh Akeem Hicks is back and healthy you know I know both of them have three and a half sacks um some of their backup D tackles, you know, they were obviously forced into a lot more playing time last season. Um, personally, I ended up watching a lot of Roy Robertson Harris uh, for the scouting Academy over the summer. And, you know, I actually didn't think he was all that bad. Now I know he's getting limited time again this season, but that's understandable because I know most of his time really came because of the injury to Akeem Hicks, but how much is, um, Akeem Hicks being healthy this season helped change the game for uh, the the Bears' D-line. Oh, it's a huge. I mean, it's, it's one of the primary reasons why they struggled so much last season What was his injury and his absence. Like, he's more important even than, than Eddie Goldman. I mean, Goldman was around last season, and there's a noticeable difference when it's Hicks that's in and not Goldman. He he's just so consistent and, and the penetration that he's able to get, you know, like he hasn't had the big sack numbers yet this season, but he creates enough disruption. I mean, he's, he's at three and a half sacks, which is pretty good for him, but I mean, it's not like he's been dominating game changing the way that Akeem, that Khalil Mack sometimes is, but like, Hicks gets that penetration in that B-gap so consistently, especially he's faced some inexperienced right guards that he's just terrorized. And it's not, Aaron Donald level, but it's it's enough that 
teams have to pay attention to him. And it, it's he gets those one-on-one blocks because Khalil Mack is taking so much attention, usually on the same side as he is. So there's the tackle and the tight end and the running back are all going to Khalil Mack. And then it's just the right guard. One-on-one with Akeem Hicks is a very strong formula for the Bears' success. But then you add in Robert Quinn this year on the opposite side has taken some more of that attention away. And they've gotten some pretty good production from Brent Urban and uh, Mario Edwards Jr. Just this last couple of games have started to step up a little bit more as far as rotational guys up front on that defensive line. But Akeem Hicks is the emotional leader there, the, the vocal leader, and the sort of model of consistency that they all look up to. And he kind of he brings a lot of that energy in these stadiums that have no fans. I mean, he gets this defensive line hyped up. He's talking smack, and he's just so smart, too. I mean, he's he is sort of the... As good as Khalil Mack is, Akeem Hicks is so valuable to this. I mean, I don't want to say more valuable, but like it's a different kind of value that definitely gets overlooked. So I'm glad you asked about him. One last I want to get to you real quick before we uh, wrap this up here. I just want to get your quick thoughts, too, on the cornerback position. You know, uh, Jalen Johnson's been getting more playing time. I see the rookie out of Utah and then Kyle Fuller opposite him. How have they been playing? You know, what's Jalen Johnson like? I know someone actually mentioned to me on Twitter that uh, Kyle Fuller has been getting targeted a little bit more because I thought Jalen Johnson might be. Uh, picked on a little bit but you know what are your thoughts so far on these corners and you know so what can uh, the Panthers fans expect with their receivers against uh, the Bears corners yeah so Kyle Fuller always plays a lot of off coverage and so typically most seasons he's among the league leaders in targets but actually this I just pulled up the numbers he and Jalen Johnson are have equally tied with 34 targets thus far this season you, you would think that they might go after Johnson a little bit more as the rookie. And to some extent, they have more than like last year with Prince and Mukamara. You would see a much bigger shift, imbalance of those target numbers where Fuller would get a lot more and, and, and Prince and Mukamara tended to not get very many. But Jalen Johnson has been very impressive in their eyes from the start. I mean, starting from week one as a rookie second round pick, he's been everything they could ask for and more. A, a very intelligent, smart, like a savvy veteran as a rookie, I mean, being able to kind of handle most receivers downfield. I mean, he's had he had a decent gauntlet with Marvin Jones in week one. He had Riley Ridley, or excuse me, Calvin Ridley. The Bears have Riley Ridley, his brother, but Calvin Ridley with the Falcons in week three. Not that it was shadow coverage all game long, but he was able to pretty well hold his own. The Bears benefited in both of those games with Kenny Galladay and Julio Jones being injured, so they didn't have those dual threats at all times, but even in those one-on-one matchups, Jalen Johnson pretty consistent in being able to hold up down the field. More of a physical press man-to-man cornerback. A couple of times he's gotten beat on double moves and hasn't always been a completion, so like there's some vulnerability there where he tries to be physical and tries to be aggressive and is still learning exactly when and where he can win those matchups and when and where he can be aggressive, but otherwise it's been the same old Kyle Fuller opposite him, making some plays, making some turnovers, both interceptions, and last week he had a big hit that forced a fumble that was textbook how you play hard-hitting football in 2020 without being penalized. Let the guy make the catch, then deliver the boomstick and force the fumble. He's growing into a little bit more of a leadership role as well, so the Bears feel very good about both of those guys and where they are right now. I think they're even a little bit weaker in the slot with Buster Screen. I'm not super confident in him. He's not a huge weakness, but of the three, for me, he's he's the bigger weakness at the cornerback spot. Awesome. Great stuff, Lauren. So re- really appreciate you uh, jumping on with me here to talk about the the Bears. As always, you know, 
always great chatting with you, buddy. You're one of my favorites here on the, on the show. So always great to spend time with you, man. Hey, appreciate it. And I'm sure hopefully by, by January, things will be a little bit more clear to get back down to the Senior Bowl as we do every year. But uh, Veets might be a little bit different this year if we all have to wear masks or something. Listen, if, if that's what it's going to take, I'm, I'm all for it, man. I'm definitely <laughs> hoping we get to be in Mobile, and I'm definitely hoping to see you down there, buddy. Hey, you too. So a special shout-out to Lauren Cox, great buddy of mine. Really appreciate uh, getting a chance to talk to him again. And, yeah, hopefully we get a chance to see each other down in Mobile. Hopefully things start to settle down a little bit, and they'll be able to let us fly down there and check out the new crop of draft picks for 2021 because it's looking like a really good crew as we've talked a little bit about before so really excited to get a chance to start grinding into these guys and again hopefully get a chance to be in mobile to see everybody but thank you guys as always for tuning in really appreciate all the support as always really hope you enjoyed this crossover episode we'll be back tomorrow to wrap up the week and get you uh, some final thoughts and get you ready for sunday's big game between the carolina panthers and the Chicago Bears. Until next time, Billy Rossetti signing off. Have a great rest of your Thursday. We'll see you Friday right here on LOP. Until then, take care, my friends. We'll see you soon. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.